Once you start looking into different companies, you start realizing, wait, these companies that I use every day or I associate with every day, I had no idea that they contributed campaign funds to so-and-so. It's interesting to me when people say that they're not political or that they're not into politics. Anything you do with money ends up being political. There's room for people to be in business. There's not room for everyone to be in business and be fucking greedy and careless. Welcome back to Relentless, a podcast about the pursuit of far-fetched ideas, unusual aspirations, or that perfect pair of sneakers. I'm the host, Maddie Russell Shapiro. Relentless puts motivation under a microscope to investigate why certain people choose to spend their limited time and resources on a specific project. This is the fourth episode of a series about the New York City menswear brand, Noah, and I suggest you start by listening to episode one. As you heard in those earlier episodes, Noah as a company is focused on designing cool clothes that are made to last. It's also committed to sharing its own learning with customers, information about design influences, about fabrics, about environmental concerns. Those efforts extend beyond production decisions. Here's founder Brendan Babenzine. I wake up, I read the news, and there's 15 things I read about that I want to do something about, and I can't. So I get really frustrated. I can't, obviously, write a check to every single bad thing that's happening in the world. Floods here and fires there, and these people are being abused. Noah exists as a means to grapple with the conundrum of doing business ethically in the apparel industry, and it also provides a platform to address injustice. Some people, important information comes to them and they just push it back. They're like, I don't have time for that shit. I just got to have fun or I got to pay my bills. But I think for me, I can't not. Like, I find it really difficult to get information about a problem or something that's happening and, and then just turn it off. Noah dedicates resources to supporting more immediate threats to people and planet. It's very reactionary. Like something happens, we're like, that's bullshit. What can we do? You know, and then, and then we contribute. If we're talking about an issue... And we think it's cool to talk about, like visually, but we can't just use it. We have to make sure we write that check to help it. Like we can't just say free the children. It looks cool, it sounds cool, but unless we write a check to help actually free the children, we can't use that graphic. And that's when things get really interesting because the fashion industry is pretty famous for kind of like utilizing cool moments and ideas without really giving back to it. Free the children. Brendan is referring to a fundraiser t-shirt that Noah sold in June 2018. The proceeds were donated to pay legal fees for immigrant families separated at the southern border of the United States. The t-shirt is white, printed on the front, free the children. Printed on the back, a graphic of hands pulling apart a chain. On one sleeve, the words, fuck Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller, the presidential policy advisor who is behind a lot of the most hardline immigration policies of the Trump administration. When three successive hurricanes pummeled Puerto Rico in the summer of 2017, extensively damaging the infrastructure of the island, Noah sold a t-shirt as a fundraiser for relief efforts. The shirt featured an image of a prop plane above a parachute carrying boxed supplies and the statement, climate change is real. These rapid response efforts are designed and manufactured quickly in limited quantity and usually with a strident emphatic tone that is jarring and, to a lot of people who are upset or enraged, appealing. And if not everyone who buys a benefit t-shirt is doing so because of the cause, that's okay. The money gets raised all the same. So Noah supports different social causes and then... In other cases, it's more environmental stuff with having Sea Shepherd as a permanent part of our checkout where you can donate money to Sea Shepherd when you shop with us. 
NOAA supports 1% for the planet, a campaign for businesses that commit 1% of all sales to vetted environmental nonprofits. For now, NOAA directs its donations to Sea Shepherd, an activist organization focused on defending, conserving, and protecting biodiversity in oceans. 1% of NOAA's annual sales are redirected for environmental preservation. Despite all the very real opinions and concerns that guide the designs and the production of NOAA's merchandise, ultimately everything does come down to transactions. This is, after all, a business. And every element of work accrues to the ultimate cost, what we pay as customers. Are NOAA's clothes expensive? Brendan says, If you ask a 15-year-old kid, our stuff is expensive. If you ask a 40-year-old man who's been in the world for a while shopping, buying nicer things, whatever, he's, he thinks our prices are incredible. Well, someone who's been shopping for a while might still be accustomed to underpriced clothing. So much retail clothing these days is relatively cheap. Like, for example, a wardrobe staple, a dyed cotton t-shirt with a pocket. At J. Crew, a pocket tee is $29.50. At The Gap, it's $19.95. At Uniglo, it's $14.90. And at Target, $9.99. At NOAA, a pocket tee is $52. Nylon swim trunks at J. Crew are $69.50. And nylon swim trunks from NOAA are $148. So if you shop regularly at J. Crew, NOAA will seem expensive. If you shop at Patagonia or APC, then the prices will be less jarring. In any case, it's arguably not so important whether you subjectively interpret prices as high or low. What matters is whether you determine that the cost is worth it. Is it a good value? Part of that value proposition is that NOAA doesn't spend money on advertising. Yes, advertising is a cost that gets passed on to us as customers. It sure does. And NOAA doesn't do it. The wool cashmere suitings, right? Yeah. Whether it be for a sport coat, jacket, trousers, whatever. It's a wool cashmere blend. So, okay. It's 95 wool, 5% cashmere from the UK, from various mills in the UK, where any other company in the world using those fabrics, the jacket would be at a minimum twice the price of ours, sometimes three and four times the price of ours. Just because that's what they can get away with? I don't know. So, this, I would imagine, yes, to some degree, like the, the, the brand position is so high that if they don't charge those prices, their customer won't know what the hell's going on. In other cases, it might be necessary for the way their business is structured. I don't really know the answer to those questions. All I know is that for us, we can make a garment, and because we don't wholesale, and because we don't spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising and marketing every year, we can afford to give it to you at a much better price. Factor in the fact that we're not really greedy that probably has something to do with it as well. Could we charge more? Should we? Maybe. But it doesn't make sense. We talk about our customers. A lot of these garments, are, they're a stretch. They're a stretch for our customers. It's, but the prices people see from us are like, they really can't be any less. If they could, I would. Any less and I go out of business. And, and we've tried to explain that as well, where it's like, if you don't make a certain margin on your clothing, you just won't be around next year to have this conversation. Every move a product makes in its progress towards an end user has a cost, and most of those moves are totally invisible to us as shoppers. Designer Corey Rubin provides an example of costs related to making a graphic t-shirt like one from NOAA that I own, a black t-shirt with images on the front and back of swimmers with arms extended outwards, arcing their bodies mid-dive. When you're paying for a t-shirt, you're paying for the idea that's not the main thing. The main, like, 
we have to get that t-shirt sampled and in the sampling process we use people that print by hand and let's say it's a photo t-shirt that's at least 10 to 14 screens that need to get burned 10 to 14 inks that need to be color matched and then printed on that one shirt and there's times when the sampling fee if it's not like a super high number shirt for whatever reason like we wanted it to be we just don't think enough people will will want the shirt but we find it an important thing to make like that that takes up a margin that's like no other company would be happy with and the way where we choose to make them they have their own certifications and that also adds up brendan is serious about achieving quality in every single thing they make and sell even the socks Take something as silly as our socks. They're $24. That's an expensive sock. But I will put our sock up against any fucking white sock in the world for that price. Go to wherever. I won't name them, but go buy your 10 socks for 10 bucks, and they will last you three months, and they'll fall apart. You buy one pair of socks from us, you will probably have it for years before you have to get rid of them. Wash, wear, wash, wear, wash, wear keep their shape, super comfortable, good look. Like, literally, you will spend four times with that other company what you spend with us on one pair of socks by the time you're done. That's where it gets really interesting. So it's like, what are consumers concerned with? Good products and then creating their own style where they don't have to have brand new shit every day or want to wear the latest and the greatest that they might not even wear next year. Keep in mind, Noah isn't producing large quantities of anything. For example, according to its blog, Last season, spring-summer 2019, it made 204 campus jackets and 146 pairs of double-snap board shorts. The shorts retailed for $188. The jacket was $368. I wish the industry would make it a little bit easier for us to make great product and not have it to be so expensive. But unfortunately, that's just not how it works. If you want to make 12 of something, well, the factory's going to charge you more, right? Like... How can they do it cheap? They have to pay people to make 12. By the time they're done, they're not even like up to like the speed they should be at making it because they're still figuring it out. If you're making a thousand, by the time you make a hundred, you're in a, a rhythm and you're, you're blowing through them quickly and then you can charge less. Brendan is describing economies of scale, the fact that cost goes down the more you produce of something. So why not make more so it will be less expensive for the customer? As Chief Operating Officer Bo Wallens explains, for us, the feeling of overproducing and having to discount product and then even after discounting product, potentially not sell a large portion of it is the most wasteful practice of all. Brendan elaborates further. Just the idea of doing volume doesn't bother me. But generally what comes with doing volume is all this other shit. That's what bothers me. Because you can't really do volume unless it's cheap anyway. That's what drives volume is price. So we're never going to use shitty fabrics because I don't want to make stuff that's going to fall apart in six months. Noah intentionally has a high-low range in the collections it produces, and the story is incomplete without the high end, without the $628 baby camel hair hoodie, without the $1,200 wool trench coat. The only other choice I would have is to just not make those types of items. And that's not appealing to me either. It's not a complete story. And we have customers who can afford those things. And some of the customers that can't afford them today are going to grow up 
make a better living, have more money, change their attitudes about where they spend their money and this and that, and then they will be able to buy those things and they'll see the value in it. It's a much longer story for us and it's an educational process for the customer and for us. And the educational process, it works. Well, they just dropped like these nice tweed uh, trousers and the multi-panel corduroys. It's a pretty hefty price on those, but it's, I know it's worth the buy. My last question, like, can you just say a little bit more about that? Like, I think for a lot of us, their price point does seem high, but so what makes it worth um, it to you? If you look on their product descriptions, the wherever they're sourcing the wool from is good. Um, un, unstitched hem, like, it's just like, if you look at the quality of the clothes, you won't be disappointed what you're getting, honestly. You might not be disappointed, but you still probably have to budget for prices like these, which Brendan acknowledges. Where it gets really complicated for us, and for me personally, as someone who grew up not having much money, is the fact that there's no way around charging more for these. It's just that simple. Like, you pay more for them. No way around it. We couldn't do it any other way. Fabrics are expensive. The garment costs more. And, you know, we have had people kind of be like, cool we really like what you do but you know it's really expensive so and a lot of young people or a lot of just people can't always afford what we make people will say like well i'd rather go take my 200 bucks and buy like five garments on broadway from the bigger brands the fast fashion brands or whatever and fair enough if that's what you want to do go ahead it's your personal choice and and i get it but the irony of that is like those five garments will probably be out of your life before our single garment that would cost the same thing. It's so difficult because what we're talking about now is an entire restructure of our values mm-hmm. as a society, right? And in a weird way, it's going back because 50 years ago, 100 years ago, like people didn't have the wardrobes that we have today. They had a lot less stuff. It forced them to be a lot more creative in their choices. And we look back for style. I don't look next to me right now for good style, right? Like, a lot of our style icons right now, they're not very good. They're not going to hold up over time. You know, we're not going to be looking at some of these, like, pop stars today and being, like, 25 years from now, 50 years from now, being like, oh, look how good they looked. They look ridiculous, right? They just don't have good style. They can buy everything they want. They're on trend. They're technically fashionable, but they're not very stylish people. They're not creative people. They're just buying brands. One of the ideas that I continued to mull over as I was reporting on this story was this. What if I decided to prioritize purchasing things that were high quality, that were made to last? What if I budgeted to spend more per item and buy less overall? For someone like me who doesn't know a lot about fabrics, who isn't totally confident in my own ability to assess quality, it's a little daunting to plan for shopping decisions that have to be made so thoughtfully. But I like the idea of building a wardrobe that's meant to last, a collection of clothes that fit me and reflect my personality, things that I will probably want to wear for a long time. And good garments, they can be tailored. They can be adjusted over time as my body or as styles change. When I think about my clothing choices that way, the prices at NOAA start to seem more feasible, more reasonable. I'm not the only one whose shopping standards are starting to shift. What informs your decisions about where to spend money on clothes? I say it's a it's a combination of both. It has to be a piece that that I really want to wear and that I can see myself wearing. Usually, like on a on a daily basis, but also a store that has a good mission in terms of like how they want to serve their community in the world. Noah's priorities are durability, quality, human rights, and environmental preservation. 
Together, those represent a reconsideration of the apparel industry's long-standing modes of doing business, including the use of marketing for education rather than manipulation. Are there other brands, whether in, in fashion or elsewhere, that you look to for inspiration or just who you think are kind of on the same page as you are in terms of, of effort and willingness to mold their business to really do things? Responsibly? Yeah, responsibly. I don't know if there's anyone in our space that I know of doing mm-hmm. it. There, I don't think there is. No one near us, like culturally. You know, nobody who comes out of like skate or street or even, you know, yeah, fashion and then men's and young men's. Like, I don't see it, you know. Um, Patagonia's been a massive influence on me, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I think what they do is incredible, but they're in the outdoor world, so they have an audience who's really ready for that message and understands that message, you know. We are coming at it from a place where sometimes people are hearing some of these ideas for the first time. The idea that like, hey, that t-shirt isn't just the cost of making it, there's also the cost of shipping it and the environmental damage that comes from shipping it and and all those things. Sometimes people are hearing that for the first time. For the first time hearing that like their choice as a consumer sends a message about what is and isn't okay to bigger business. Because if you keep buying the stuff, they don't really feel the pressure to change. If you stop giving them money, then they have to listen to you. They have to do it. They have to operate the way you want them to operate. Other brands may not be making all these same efforts, or at least not yet, or not as visibly, but imitators abound. Despite all the community building, NOAA faces a very real challenge from its success. The fashion industry, it has taken notice. Noah is pioneering, pushing forward, and other brands are picking over its design ideas and adopting them as their own. During the time that I was reporting this story, another New York menswear brand opened a new store one block north of Noah's flagship store. The interior of the store looks, well, nearly identical to Noah's. The furniture, the potted plants, the display of art books, it is an astonishing feat of mimicry. I asked Brendan how it feels to see his work imitated. That's always going to happen, right? Where you do something, and if you, I guess if you do it well, people are going to kind of be like, oh, yeah. Or if you're kind of like shining a light on where things are heading, you're kind of giving people information, right? You're telling them, like, this is where it's going. And then it was like, okay, cool. We'll go there, too. So part of it is great. Part of it is like, cool. If we can influence other businesses to try and like act more responsibly and, and be a little more considerate, that's outstanding. If people want to come in and kind of like take what we're doing and it's not genuine for them then i revert back to like my fucking kid with my skateboard in my hand i'm like fuck you very matter-of-factly which probably is inappropriate but um that's just my automatic reaction once i get past the initial shock and kind of like frustration of it i'm like you know what whatever (laughs) because we're gonna do something tomorrow and we're gonna do something the next day and we're gonna do something next week and next year and whatever who cares that's kind of how you have to deal with it the good things that you put into the world that people kind of do be proud of and happy about and things where people shouldn't touch things you do just ignore it and kind of keep your head down and and keep going i still believe that the genuine nature of things always wins out keep your head down and keep going at noah everyone is energized and focused they're pretty earnest too a quality that is easily mocked but in this case accompanies an unflagging zeal and ambition In rejecting sustainability, in rejecting the idea of an absolute perfection, the NOAA team is able to move forward nimbly while hewing to its moral compass. And the direction in which NOAA is heading, it's one that is beyond clothes. 
as co-founder Estelle describes. The clothes are great and we trying to we want to design amazing classic heritage but fun, exciting clothing that's going to last for a really long time. But what's more important than that is the stuff that you do while you're wearing the clothes. In the next episode, building community in a retail store. We'd love to just sit on the couch and have a conversation with you. And how a deep belief in the primacy of individuality drives Noah. To me, that's always been the most punk thing you can do, is just kind of be yourself and stick to your belief structure and not kind of like join the herd. For today, I leave you with a few more questions to prompt action. How do you decide how much money to spend on individual items of clothing? What do you think about before deciding something is too expensive or if it's affordable? Do you find there's a correlation between how much you spend on a garment and how many wears and washes it can sustain? Which clothing in your wardrobe has proven to be the most durable and long-lasting? On our website, therelentless.org, we've posted more information about transparency and pricing and tips for selecting clothing that you will love and be able to wear for a long time. Join the conversation on Instagram at The Relentless Podcast. Relentless is produced by me, Maddie Russell Shapiro, and is recorded at Bright Young Things with the help of Dan Nevetta. Sarah Holtz was the editor for this episode. Music for Relentless is provided by Building Beats, a nonprofit that teaches young people in New York City's schools how to DJ and make music. Today's music was produced by DJ Synchro, EJ Callie, and students at Pelham Academy. If you like the music, if you like the show, please consider supporting Building Beats. Everything you need to know about the show and this series is available on our website, therelentless.org. Subscribe to the podcast through your listening app so you don't miss the rest of the season and come back for the next episode.